In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a live stream episode of In the Trenches podcast with Ryan Roxy. Um, above all, I thank you for taking some time out of your day. Uh, it's not like you were just sitting around the house doing nothing, right? <laughs> or maybe you were. And of course, that's what's going to happen in the next uh, couple of weeks. That's why I decided to do this live stream podcast. So you can, if you are stuck at home, you can listen to it. You can hear that we're all in the same boat together and we're going to get through this together as well. So who did I choose to bring on to the show? And I think it was a good decision that I did. Uh, another guy that's in the trenches, been with me in the trenches now for a couple of years in the Alice Cooper band. Um, he's from New York via Switzerland, but you guys know him as being from every single hometown that we play every single night when we're on tour with Alice. Would you please welcome to In the Trenches, Tommy Hendrickson. Hello, Tommy. There it is. In my cell block in Switzerland, I'm hunkered down. <laughs> so, oh, man, what, what's going on? Anything happening? Any, uh, you heard anything about the news? Anything going on in the news <laughs> at well, all? <laughs> I get my news feed from Jack Pony because um, his, his news feed's always good. But uh, around here, man, it's everything's locked down. It's been locked down for a while. You can't can't go anywhere right now. Everything's closed. You can only go shopping for groceries or to the doctor. Wow. So, yeah. well, you know what? That's the whole thing. We have people watching, as we can see in the chat, we have people watching from Australia to yeah. California. I'm in Sweden. You're in Switzerland. Nobody ever gets that right. Whenever we tell people, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, it's the same place. You guys must hang out all the time. Yes. But the truth is we do hang out when it's, uh, when it's tour time, but yeah. nowadays uh, we'll be hanging out online. Maybe and we talk more. all the time too. We're always FaceTime and stuff like that. Um, Cause we're always just talking to each other. That's what we do. You know what I mean? How about communicate. that? Yeah, we're, communicate. We're, we're two guitar players, actually three guitar players that yeah. communicate. Me and Nita have pretty good communication on stage and off stage. I'd say yeah. I have such good communication that I'm wearing a certain shirt in honor of Tommy because Tommy gave me this shirt. I love this shirt. I, I think he gave it to me on the last Australian tour. I've been wearing it every single day, right? You know what, man? I, I, I like giving stuff away, you know what I mean? Because people give us a lot of gifts a lot, a lot, a lot of the time, you know what I mean? We'll get like stuff and it's very surprising where you're like, whoa. Um, I don't know where Ryan just went. But, no, it's uh, all right. Good. I can still hear you. Um it's actually kind of cool because you get these gifts from so many people. That's just really so sweet. And, and they make stuff for you. And it's, it's, it actually amazes me that they took the time to do that. So I always like giving stuff away too, whether it's a bracelet, not, not like re-gift or whatever, you know, uh, but I don't know. I just like giving stuff away. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, I want to welcome everyone to the live stream of In the Trenches with the Ryan Roxy podcast. Uh, we have our guest, Tommy Hendrickson, today from the Alice Cooper Band. He's not only from the Alice Cooper Band. He's from the Hollywood Vampire. You are a true Hollywood vampire, wouldn't you say? Uh, yes. You are yeah. a full member of, a, of I, the band. I, I am, but some people don't recognize that, but um, <laughs> it's do. fine. I definitely um, do. You're from New York. You're from via Switzerland. But then the boss introduces you from being every single town that we're on every single day. You know, whatever, whatever town we're playing, you're from that town. How did that come about? Honestly, I don't know. You got like, that's one of those Cooper things where it's like one night he was just like, I think he did it with someone else and they didn't like it. You know, like, 
<laughs> I don't want to be from that town. Am I from? That sounds like a Glenn thing. <laughs> that sounds like I a... I'm not from that town. So then Cooper did it with me, and I was like, dude, you can call me from any town you want. Just call me. You I'm know? from Thousand Oaks. Make sure you get it right. <laughs> I'll be from, I don't care, Wiki, Waukegan, uh, uh, Saskatoon, whatever that place yeah. we play in Canada. Saskatchewan, Well, Saskatoon is a place in Canada yeah. that we were supposed to play this next month. Um, I know. Obviously, we're all on lockdown here because of uh, COVID-19. Sounds like some sort of emo band, but uh, it's put us in sort of self-quarantine or everybody like from all over the place. I know that that we have some listeners from uh, Italy watching. So our hearts are out with you, but you know what? We're all in this one together and we are going to get through it together. Part of it is going to be, you know, through the power of our rock and roll guitar. I was asked to play that uh, riff. Yes. The Kinks. That's one of our favorite bands. (laughs) And It's just, it's been really like, you know, we were just, me and you, we were in Singapore, dude. That yeah. was like, when we, I was like, what the hell's going on? This, this we knew was something was up. It was early. Yep. Well, that's the thing. We were the two guys that when we yep. first started that Australian tour that wore the masks and everybody was making fun. Yeah. They, you know, and, and, and now I kind of look back at it like, well, you know. Did it do any good? Did it not do any good? Are we all going to, you know, eventually end up catching it to some degree? But, you know, hey, that's current stuff. That's what we're going through right now. But the reason why I'm here today is because I did a little digging on you. And that's the reason why for the podcast, because there's some people listening that might not know everything that I found out about you this last uh, couple days of just going down the rabbit hole. You know, okay. <laughs> I chose I chose a different rabbit hole of the internet to go down. This was the Tommy Hendrickson rabbit hole, which is probably a better decision for me. <laughs> we'll get you in any trouble. Oh yeah. Then we'll get, keep me out of trouble. But yeah. uh obviously I said you're from New York. You grew up in New York and uh you actually grew up not a guitarist, which maybe some of our listeners might be shocked. You yeah. started on no. bass guitar. Yeah, I was bass player originally for my whole life until I joined Alice Cooper. When Alice uh, said to me in the studio, uh, you play guitar? And I was like, yeah. Sure I do. (laughs) (laughs) So I just learned it, you know what I mean? And uh, that was it. So I just figured I'd just be a guitar player, you know? So uh, even before I got back into the band, I think this was about 2011, um, I got back in 2012. I, you guys came to Sweden. Um, I interviewed, I think it was Damon or Chuck and stuff. And then you yeah. were in the hotel. I just remember you having the guitar in your hand and always practicing. And since that day, up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you're the guy that spends that extra time learning the instrument. And I'm, you know, I'm proud of you, man. You, you've become, nice. uh, you know, very, very few people can learn a brand new instrument. It's not so much brand new because you played bass and you're a good bass player all these years, but you definitely have taken on the guitar and really mastered it this last, you know, you're our, you're our foundation. You're our, you're our rock, man. Dude, that's really sweet. And I appreciate that. It's really nice. Um, honestly, it's like, I just love music and I love guitar and I love equipment. I could look at road cases and like, go. Those road cases look cool. You know what I mean? Like amplifiers, even though we don't have any amps anymore. Um, 
But just guitars in general, I just love the way they look because they're sexy and they're, they're, they're cool looking and they got attitude. Well, know? I did notice on this last tour, we can talk about because it's still current events before I go way deep in your down your past. Yeah. Uh, you just had to cut short a Rock Meets Classic tour, which is kind of a bummer, right? You guys were in the middle of Germany halfway through the tour. It was Alice Cooper, Tommy Hendrickson, and a 50-piece orchestra with, you know, Robin Zander was there as well. But I saw you with one of the coolest-looking SGs. Did you bring that out on the road? Is that a new one? No, I've had that for the longest time. Um, I took it off the road because I had it signed by everyone. When we did the Motley Crue tour, I had them sign all the vampires, the original uh, Alice Cooper group, and uh, Robin Zander actually signed it, and Rick Nielsen. And... Nice. Um, so I was like, let me take it off because it's going to be for Finn. It'll be one of those things. So I had no guitars. Finn so I was like, is, is Tommy's son. And Finn is basically going to have the biggest guitar collection by the time he turns. <laughs> you know, right, well, he has imagine, it already, man. But imagine being Rick Nielsen's kid. Yeah, that's that's a guitar collection. No, you know is, what I mean? At least Finn, will, he'll have some guitars to choose from, you know. But I, that guitar, dude, that guitar always was cool. But the Rock Meets Classic thing, we just started getting into a groove because we got there. The arrangements were a little different. There was a song in a different key that we normally play it in. We had to relearn that. Coop's like, I'll do it. And, and they, re, they wrote all the charts out. So I looked at Coop. I was like, we got to redo it. So me and Coop, we learned it. We learned it. And then we had to relearn the, the arrangements. And then by the third gig, I was like, wow, this sounds really good. And all of a sudden, the fourth gig, I was like, this sounds amazing. And then the Swiss Miss called me up and she's like, uh, don't get too comfortable out there. You're about to come home. And I was like, come uh, on. The Swiss Miss knows. And for those of you that don't know who the Swiss Miss is, that is Tommy's wife who's from Switzerland. And uh, yeah, she knew about, she seems to know about things before we do. She seems to know definitely about your, all your airplane flights. How did you even Dude, get home from that tour? Uh, I'll tell you how I got home from that tour. So we're in a bar that night, right? We're in Berlin. And, uh, it's Mel, uh, Karen, uh, Anna, I'm trying to think who else, uh, Sue, a bunch of people were in there. Kinga Andy. was there. I know. Yeah. That, yeah. We had French. Um, yeah. I know. I, I know I, that a lot of people, because I kept getting updates on King, I called King Anna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we're all hanging out in the bar, and Kyla comes up to me. He's like, it's over. You're going home. I was like, dude, it's 11. What are you talking about? I was just hanging out, having a good time with everyone. And he's like, that's it. So Andy, this is how the universe works, dude. Andy, who is a pilot for Swiss Air, who actually was the guy who hooked the vampires up to go record at Hans' studios for the Heroes thing and all that. That's another story in itself. Um, so he happens to be there, and he's like, I'm going to Switzerland tomorrow morning. And I was like, okay. He's like, I'll get you on my flight. And I was like, no way. He went like this. All right. What time do you want to leave? I was like, what do you mean? He's like, we can leave at 8, 9, 10 or whatever. I was like, 9. He's like, great. We're done. Didn't have to call anyone up. Got on a plane the next day. Me and him went to the airport. It was a ghost town, dude. Yeah, that was some scary uh, Instagram footage that I think you put up on a story or you put up, up as a post. Yeah. And it was just exactly. like empty. And I was like, okay, stuff, shit's starting to get real. 
It is. <laughs> it is. And, and then look what's happened since then. So look what's transpired. But like I said, right. I, I don't want to concentrate and dwell too much on it other mm-hmm. than just for everyone to know that's listening around the world, we're all in the same boat together. Yeah. We're going to get through this together. And um, of course, you're going to get through it by listening to Stefan Adika's coffee talk in the morning. And then every once in a while, I'll come on here and do a live stream in the trenches with Ryan Roxy right. podcast. Right. So one way or another. But I'm going to get through the next couple minutes talking a little bit about you and the bands you sort of cut your teeth on. Rough Cut. There was a Rough Cut, and that was a band that you had with your brothers, right? Uh, My brother Gene, but we like had the whole neighborhood. It was like one of those bands that when we put it together, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. But this guy, Bob Tease, like said to us, he goes, you guys are a bunch of dummies. He goes... (laughs) But if we do this sure right, that wasn't Jack Pony that said that. Dude, you know what? Man? He's out of the Jack Pony school. Bob Dees is like he used to work at the Boogie Hotel and stuff like that, where Foghat used to make all their records and and stuff. And we painted the studio and became friends with Bob. And uh, Bob said, "You guys are a bunch of dummies. I'm going to make you guys realize how to do this the right way." And he actually built it up. And we had all the people from the neighborhood, dude. The whole thing, do it. My brother was a drummer. And uh, we played the whole tri-state area. We're all on salary, dude. We were making money every week. It's like one of those things. I look back. We had one of the biggest light shows and stuff. And uh, did you guys play Lemoore's? We played Lemoore's all the time, dude. Lemoore's yeah. East uh, and Brooklyn. We played every way you could think of. We played, and we played six nights a week. And we sang. I sang like three sets a night. We were doing a Motley Crue show. Stefan, dude. He, he, he saw it, you know what I mean? And uh, Lamore's Queens was my first gig in New York City. It was my first New York gig, Lamore's Queens with Circus of Power. It was Electric wow. Angels opening up for Circus of Power. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. How big was that place? Remember when you used to walk in, you used to be like, holy shit. I know, I know, shit. And, and that was a big place. Well, from there, obviously, one of the highlights as well, Doro Pesh. You played with, what, what did she call herself? The, the Queen? It was Wallop. It was what she's queen of heavy metal, queen of heavy metal. Okay. What happened with that gig was, um, so I'm playing a rough cut and the band breaks up. My brother, Gene does his thing. It's almost like, you know, like, uh, um, you know how LA guns, you got Stephen Riley's LA guns. <laughs> you got, this is way ahead of this stuff. There yeah, was another did. rough cut in Los Angeles. Cause that, cause I come from California. I remember that rough cut from yeah. LA. Yeah. yeah. We had a lawsuit with those guys, too. different logos. Yeah, and, and we spelt it different. We oh, spelt did you have two T's? And... or did, where, where were your grommelets? Were your grommelets over the second O? Or the... <laughs> no, we, Everybody had grommelets very... over that. Thank you, Motley Crue, for really... This is very New York, Roxy. <laughs> R-U-F-F-K-U-T. Yeah, okay. That's very New York. So um, we were playing around, stuff like that, but um, and uh, the band broke up. So you had Eugene's rough cut, and you had the cut. You know what I mean? Which was me and Rojo and this guy, John Michelli, who's the drummer of Meatloaf. And Gene had his own thing going on. So um, all I remember is after the cut broke up, I joined Ron Donnelly. This band, Ron Donnelly. The drummer. And, Ron Donnelly. The, yeah. I mean, legendary drummer, yeah. Ron Donnelly. I was like this kid in the neighborhood. I used to go and like wash Bobby's car and cut his lawn and stuff and watch him and his brother rehearse. So one day he said to me, he's like, I need a singer. And I was like, I know the guy for you. He does this great Van Halen tribute, and his name's Ray Gillen. And uh, I put Bobby in touch with Ray. Next thing I know, Ray joins Ron Donnelly. James Lomenzo was the bass player then, playing with those guys. Uh, After like two years, I think James Lomenzo left, 
And then Bobby called me up and he's like, hey, two inch. That's what he used to call me. Two inch. Uh, like, what, would yeah. that be a, what would that be sort of referring to? <laughs> well, it ain't my dick. <laughs> you might want to clarify that. <laughs> just make yes. sure. Um, but, hey, man, we're uh, on the metric system over here in Europe. It might be longer, you know, two inch. Like, yeah. Hey, two centimeter. Uh. <laughs> so anyway, so what happened was Ray joined the band and James quit or whatever. I don't know what happened. So then I joined the band and we were managed by Lieber and Krebs at the time with Adam Baum and all that yeah, stuff. Lieber and Krebs, they, they, they had managed Aerosmith. They were top notch managing. Yeah. Firm. And Paul O'Neill was the day to day guy who was the, the leader and the head of Trans-Siberian Orchestra later on. And, you know, Paul passed away, which really sucks because he was a really sweet guy. But anyway, so Ray was in the band. We're, in, we're doing demos with uh, the guy who produced Bon Jovi's first, Lance Quinn. Bon Jovi's, we're in Philadelphia. Bon Jovi's on, first demos record, or Bon Jovi's first record, album? First album, Lance Quinn. Oh, wow. We're at the Warehouse. I think it was I think it was called The Warehouse. With Runaway? And and, with Runaway and uh, yes. she don't know him, she don't know. Great songs, man. So we're in that studio and we were making like, I don't know if you want to call it a record or a demo. And we're doing this and it sounded like Whitesnake we were doing. It was really cool stuff. So we're doing that. And uh, I don't know the time frame of, but I remember it was like a month or so later, I get a phone call from someone who's at the New Jersey. They were at the Meadowlands or something like that. One of those places. And they're like, Hey man, I'm going to see Sabbath. I heard your buddy Ray, your singer Ray, is going to be in the band. And I was like, what? And then uh, I Ray heard. Gillen? Yes. Okay. So then I heard, I think it was from like uh, Dave Spitz or one of my Jersey friends. Yeah. I forgot who it was, but. Um, I'm trying to find it. Uh, I'm trying to go down the, you know, trying to it's find weird, the dude. rabbit tail. You know, trying to go down the rabbit hole and trying to find the, the pieces that all fit together. But the, the bottom line is Doro. I'm going to get the Doro. Okay, you're getting the okay. All right, so what happened was Ian, uh, uh, who was the singer then? It wasn't the bass player, Glenn Hughes. Okay. So he couldn't cut the tour. So Ray, all of a sudden, that night, was asked to join the band. So I get a call from Ray going, hey, Tommy, man. Uh, I was like, I know where you are. I was like, I'm here. You know what I mean? Right. And I'm going to the metal, metal, metal lens. And uh, he, he felt really bad. I said, listen, man, I was like, I didn't feel bad. I was like, Ray, it's a great gig. Go do it, man, and have fun doing it. So he went on to go play with Sabbath. Ron Danelli, that thing fell apart. And as it fell apart, I remember this guy, Joey Ballin, calling me up going, hey, Tommy, it's Joey Ballin. I'm working with this band, Warlock. She's the queen of heavy metal, and I hear you're the guy. From, All these guys the sound guy. like good fellas. You know, Bobby Rondinelli and uh, you know, Bobby. <laughs> It is like that. So then Tommy Bowling calls me. He's like, yeah, I told uh, Joey Bowen about you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Tommy like, Bowling, eh. Tommy, you know, <laughs> big Tommy. You, 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 so you they, Tommy. <laughs> they, were, they were making their record at uh, the power, whatever, whatever did. Uh, power Station? Yes. Okay. At Power Station. Nice. And uh, Joey called me up. He wanted me to come down. So I, I said to my mother, I was like, this band wants me to go down. My mother looked at me. She said, go. Don't be one of these idiots around here. Just go check it out. So I went, I checked it out. And then um, I remember meeting Doro, hearing the stuff. I was like, ah, eh, it's not really my cup of tea, but let me go home and think about it. And, and I went home and I talked to my girlfriend, Angela, at the time. It was really funny. And she was like, don't do it. Don't be a loser. Get out of this town. So 
And, uh, and my mother you, said, above hey, all, you had the hair. You had the hair for well, it. Well, dude, it you was had like the out of control. Hair for, for Warlock. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'll pull up, you know, on the on the remix and the dude. rebroadcast. I'll pull up the perfect shot, but you had the hair, buddy. Dude, <laughs> it's getting crazier right now. It's the longest I've had it in a long time, and yeah. uh, I'm just letting it go. So you got, you know? so you got into the band. You, did you tour with them? Did you make some records? Obviously, on it, the first record that we did, uh, the All We All record, um, I didn't play on that record. Everyone thinks I played on it. Uh, this guy named Skylar Deal. This bass player played all the stuff on it, and Cozy Powell played drums, and Michael played drums with some other guy. But when I joined the band, they just put my picture on it, and uh, they were like, you're in the band. Uh, we're going to Germany to take photos. I had no idea, dude, what any of this was happening because it happened so fast. Yeah. And next thing I know, I'm on a plane when you could smoke back then. On and, a plane, uh, of course. Yeah. yeah. And uh, You, you basically pulled a, Gil- a Gilby Clark because – like with me, with Gilby Clark, I was on the, my name was on that first pawn shop guitars album, but I did not play on that album. I played on right. some of the B sides, right. That eventually got put out, but, but right. kudos for you for just embracing it. And now I'm sort of, I'm being a little forthcoming now that I wasn't on that pawn shop guitars album, but my name was on the credits right under slash. So it gave me good perception. I always said that no. that album gave me a good perception. Exactly, which is really cool. Is reality, <laughs> and you know what? You're in the company of Slash, so I mean, how better can it can't get any better than that, you know? Absolutely. But I didn't care because I didn't know anything, you know. <laughs> so then after we did that tour, the manager, this guy named Alex Grobe, a real anyway, I can't wait to find that guy. Um, you know, he fired the whole band, and he's like, uh, "We're firing the band, and we're calling it Doro." And I was like, "Why would you do that? We just did this whole thing." and uh, He's like, because she's the queen of heavy metal. And I was like, <laughs> all right. So, hey, man, she's royalty. I mean, in, in some world, some way, she's royalty. So I'm sitting there, right? And I'm like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, can you put a band together? I was like, I could put a band together right now. I went home. I called up Ronda Nelly. I go, hey, Rondo, I got a gig for you, pal. You know? And Rondo's like, ah, I don't know. So then I called this guy, John Levin, who was in this band, who I saw. He plays in Dockin now. We Amazing know John. Yeah, John's great. Yeah. He's, he's, he's one of the best all-around guitarists slash lawyers I've ever seen or gotten yeah. legal advice from. Yep. <laughs> that's, honest, that's the honest truth. So, so what band did this become? This was uh, Doro. This was the Doro band. So we went and made a record. Um, me and Joey and Doro and John wrote all the songs. We went in there, we did the record, and uh, all the stuff went gold. All these records went gold. I still haven't seen any money from it, which is really funny because <laughs> it's like I me with Tal Bachman. We were just talking about that a little bit earlier. It's terrible. It's funny how that money know just goes. Anything. I know, I know. But you know what? What's what's? Well, it's 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 painful, but not kind of now when you can take a step back and we're still playing music at this age. We're still doing what we wanted to do when we were kids. We can laugh about it a little bit. The one right, story right. I kind of always do laugh about that, you, that I want you to tell is because, you know, you're getting out of Doro. You, you, you know, something's happening. You've got, you got this amazing head of hair. you got this look. you got this vibe. And then Joan Jett asked you to play in her band or, or yes. something happened yes. with that. But, but what, yeah. what transpired? Please tell. Uh, Paul O'Neill, <laughs> uh, you know, from Lieberman Krebs said to me, I got a gig for you to go to. 
And he's like, and he said to me, he goes, don't fuck it up. And I was like, <laughs> Who, me? so of course, me being me, I go to Joan Jett's rehearsal. And this is when she was doing that movie with uh, Michael J. Fox. I forgot the name of that movie, Bright Lights or something like that, whatever it was. And I went down there and I played and uh, Kenny Laguna said, come back to the house. I went back to the house and he's like, uh, we're really interested in having you play bass with Joan. And I was like, oh, great. He's like, under one condition, you got to cut off all your hair. <laughs> and me being Here an idiot go. from New York, it's like, you don't have any, like, I had nobody to tell me this is the way you do it, son. This yeah. is the Just way. Just cut the goes. hair. We'll, we'll, we'll deal with it later. Yeah. No. So what I happened? Said, you no, said no. That, that, was your, that was your line in the sand. Yep. I said, no, I'm not cutting my hair. So I go home. Paul O'Neill calls me up. He goes, are you an idiot? I go, why? He goes, so you just told me you just turned down Joan Depp because you didn't want to cut your hair? I said, yeah. He goes, you're an idiot. <laughs> but you survived. And you survived. You, you, you eventually moved to L.A. And then that's where our story kind of crosses because I was playing in a band called Dad's Pornomag. Yep. You're playing in a band at that point, a power trio called P.O.L., Parade yep. of Losers, who actually happens to contain current Alice Cooper drummer and basically household name, Glenn Sobel. So tell us about P.O.L. Tell us a uh, little bit P. about P.O.L. was one of those things when uh, the whole Doro thing fizzled. I was like, I was in New York and I was like, you know what, man, I'm just going to drive to L.A. I had 1500 bucks in a Camaro. Swear to God. I drove out to L.A. And uh, I was doing extra work with this guy, Frank Leva at the time. He, you know, he's a really good friend of mine, great drummer and stuff. And he was getting me all this extra stuff where you'd go down, do the stuff. And um, so we're doing that, banging out. And then what happened was before the P.O.L. thing, I was in C.C. DeVille's Needle Park with Kelly Hansen from Farna and James Kotak from the Scorpions. Dude, you're going to need like some sort of like detective whiteboard to figure out all this stuff that's going on. I, I hope those of you that are listening are taking notes because there's so much family history and family tree rock and roll history. Going before on. that I was in war and peace with Jeff Pilson and Russ Parrish from steel Panther satchel and Ricky parent. God rest his soul. Um, like Pilsen actually saved my life. I have to tell you, if anyone saved my life, it was definitely, definitely Jeff Pilsen. Um, I had nowhere to live. I was living in my car and he, I so, went down. So the POL bit. gigs weren't paying great. The POL gig didn't come till after War and Peace. So, uh -huh. so I was in more, so I, I joined War and Peace and we're in Jeff's band. I move into Jeff's house. He teaches me so much stuff, Pilsen, about like everything about life and just, I don't know. He, he was really like a great teacher for me. Like he came into my life at the right time, Pilsen. And uh, he taught me about food, like just everything. Like I was like, why does this guy know so much? And he's so talented. And I learned so much from him, you know? And then when Russ came to the door, he was like this little kid. And we were like, yeah, he's in the band. And then we had the band and we had camel management with Lisa Hendricks, manager, Sherry Fall. All these people were around us and we couldn't get a record deal. Because Nevada came. The story. Isn't that always a story? Let, let me ask you this. Were you ever in a band yeah. with Mike Pont? Because he's actually, uh, he, he's in the chat right now. And I want to say, Pont, I want to do a shout Hot out Shot. to Mike Pont. You know? Mike Pont was the king of Long Island, dude. Hotshot, him, Bruno Ravel, 
Steve, Steve West, Sykes, all yeah. those guys, man. Yeah. I know. I know. I just wanted to recognize that, you know, folks, Mike Hans Pond a legend, is, dude. is in He's the conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but after that war and peace thing fizzled out, that's when all of a sudden I moved back to uh, New York and I was there. A tree almost fell on me. I was like, why me, Jesus? What did I do? I moved back to L.A. And then all of a sudden uh, I was at the Rainbow one night and someone said, CeCe DeVille is looking for a bass player. And I went up to his house to jam. Back then, CeCe's house was like for every misfit you could imagine. It was just filled with drugs. It was no, in a circus. Yeah. No furniture. And uh, I went up there and jammed. This is the and 80s? This is 1991. 19, well, well, late 80s, early 90s, the same difference. Yeah. It, it, it was debauchery. It, really it was. And he had no furniture, and it was just drugs, and you'd be up there for, like, days. And, you know, I mean, I never party. And that's what he said to me. He's like, I don't know about you. <laughs> you don't party. And I was like, dude, I did all that. I'm not going to start doing that now. He would it's look at me and say, I know about you. You party too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but I was always on time. That's, that's one of my. Long, Go ahead. Make a long story short, which I always thought was funny. So we're doing this Needle Park thing. He gets this huge record deal on Hollywood Records for like, I don't know, it was like $2 million. And he's like, I'm going to make all you guys rich. And I remember just sitting there and Kelly Hansen and James, and we were just like, all right, let's see if this thing lasts for like six months because unless he might die. Because that's how bad it Tommy, was. Tommy, you're in a band called Needle Park. What did you think was going to happen? <laughs> Needle Park. Well, at least Kelly didn't party. So me and Kelly would have I know you and Kelly party. are actually the monks. I mean, yeah. I can imagine Kelly going, well, no, the, the, my toy. tea and lemon is a little strong for me tonight. <laughs> yeah. And then Cece fired him. And then. Oh, wait, I, wait. I, no, no, no. Cece didn't. Didn't you? <laughs> well. The thing was, Cece's like, he's out of the band. And, and Cece wouldn't tell me he was fired. And I said to Kelly, I was like, he's not going to tell you, dude. So I called up Kelly. I was like, because yeah. Kelly would always say to me, you're the least important guy in the band. I remember that. Was that because was, you you were the bass player? Yeah, because the bass player. I'm used is to Stefan listening still? I, I don't know. Is, is, is Stefan listening? <laughs> so, but Cece couldn't fire him. So I called up Kelly. I was like, dude, he's not going to tell you. He's a pussy. You're out. And he's like, that's it. So next thing you know, I was fired. Like, But anyway, so we did a video with Spike from the London Choir Boys. And we did this remake of Hey Good Looking for the Son-in-Law soundtrack. If you could find that, that's a good one. Oh, dude, there's going to be someone on the chat right now that finds it and and sticks it up. And it's going to actually go, uh, well, things don't go platinum anymore. And Roxy, I got fired like about, I don't know how many months after that. Well, the thing uh, is, though, you're resilient, dude. You, you're, you're like Jason. You're like Jason part eight. You always, like, stand up and you, you dust yourself off and you, you, you know, and say, okay, fine, I'll do it. Because I know that you had a solo album as well. You had, you know, one of your, one of your biggest uh, influences and, and guys is Peter Gabriel. And you yeah. made an album that had uh, sort of flavors of that, if, you, if I could be so bold to say that. And, and all that stuff. I know, was trying to do yeah. So that was in 1999, right? So, so yeah. you do you do the Tommy Hendrickson solo album, and then you take some time, you know, obviously songwriting, playing, uh, just 
in the trenches, like we say, learning how to play guitar yeah. in a rock and roll band with Steve Hunter, who's probably one of the best guitar teachers that you could have to be yep. in the Alice Cooper band in the, in the uh, 2000. When, when did you join Alice? 2009, uh, I started working with Alice in 2009. You know what I mean? But I didn't join the band until 2010 and 11 was the first uh, tour that I did. Right. Yeah. So, so then you, then you go on and there's this, this is where I find the research kind of, all right, this is where shit gets mysterious. I see on one of your album credits, you're an aerobic collection <laughs> album. Did you, really? know, did you even know that you were an aerobic collection album No. and a tribute to Limp Biscuit? That um, I do not. Okay. Yeah, I did that, that song called The One. All yes. right. There you go. So and, those, uh, those are some albums. Yeah. All right. But then you went on to do your own solo album. So you, you get to the point where you're making solo albums. You're playing Tommy, Tommy, Tommy and Starstruck. And I'm going to probably play a little bit of Starstruck when I do the rebroadcast. But now, because I just don't want to get banned in every country, uh, I want to just talk about it. How yeah. were making those solo albums for you? Um, it was funny because after being in Alice Cooper, I was like, ah, I'm going to make like a rock record, but I'm going to put keyboards in it and make it weird because I love keyboards. I love craft work. I love the cars. I love all of that stuff. And I love rock music. I love punk music. I love world music. So I was like, let me try and make something that sounds like that. And uh, so that was the first record, the Tommy, Tommy, Tommy record. And then the second record, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make a straight up rock record this time. You know what I mean? Just write some songs. And uh, I did it all here, you know, like in my apartment, you know what I mean? On a laptop. Yeah. Well, and, you've, uh, well you've done a lot of, for me, I couldn't be more proud of the mixes that you've done for my solo album. You've done yeah. three of the mixes on the, on the solo and, and production on my solo album. Plus, you did the Roxy 77 EP as well. Yeah. And you would always tell me, you know, you know how to mix. You know where to play stuff. And I love it because you always know what the right production that I like, you know. Right. And that I think a lot of people like. It's, it's a nice lush, but it's still in your face. And you continue to do that work past Alice Cooper, past your own solo stuff, all the way up to the Hollywood Vampires, which you produce the album Rise. I mean, I know it's a band production and I know it's all politically correct to say band production, but I know Tommy Hendrickson Productions and that sounds all Tommy to me because it's it's vibey, it's in your face and it and it has it's experimental with cool ideas and that's what I think you always bring to the table. You always bring an open mind to each and every project. So tell us a little bit about the Hollywood Vampires and your production uh, approach to that album. Honestly, that production approach was like, that's, that's Johnny Depp going, Hey brother, I don't want to make this slick. Let's just keep it raw. And I was like, you want raw? Let's do it raw. So what we did was we recorded that whole thing pretty much live. Like it was some nights it was like, it was tough, man, because I'd be up like seriously, like 18 hours a day because I get up at seven in the morning. I'd work till seven, nine o'clock the next morning. Cause Joe would come in at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I'd work with him till like five in the morning. Then Johnny would show up at like five and I go with Johnny from like five to nine o'clock or 10 sometimes. And, uh, and JD was a big part of that. I, I I can't take all the credit for that because 
he was the one telling me. I would always be like, do you dig this? He's like, keep on going, brother. I love it. Mm -hmm. So when you hear that record, it's out of tune. It's out of time because we didn't grit anything. There's no samples on it. There's hardly any vocal tuning on it at all. Like with Alice's vocal, I kept it raw because that's the way Johnny wanted to do it. And Alice, you know, we sang all that stuff in hotel rooms. Right. And just like and, this, just like my solo album, we had done a lot of the tracks yeah. when we did it in solo albums and or in in uh, well, except our apartment, our, our hotel rooms weren't as nice as the hotel rooms that you stayed in with the Hollywood vampires. I think maybe Hollywood. I think Ritz Carlton has a better ambience of sound than yes, the, than the Marriott. But, but yeah. it, it, at the end of the day, it still sounded great, and I'm happy that you kept that album as raw as you did because that's what I told you the first time I heard it. I said this. Yeah is what a rock band sounds like, you know? It's basically like I, you stepped inside the rehearsal studio. You know, and with Joe, when Joe's playing, like, I was like, I'm not going to stop him every bar to tell him to tune up. I was like, let him go. And that's what I did. I just let him go. Let him do his thing. I didn't tell Joe what to play or anything. I was just like, I got it. He'd be like, what do you mean? I was like, I got it. He'd be like, no. And I was like, yes, I got it. You know, and then with JD, we, we really have to work on our impressions because each guy that we do imitate sounds like the same guy. <laughs> well, Johnny's more like Johnny's more like, hey, brother. You know, he's calm. You got JD down. You got Johnny down. His voice is always calm. He's always calm. I've been around him where you'd be like, I can't believe this guy I'm freaking out, yelling. He, he'd always be like, listen, brother, it's all good. You know, Joe, on the other hand, Joe would be like, I got this. <laughs> you know, it would be really funny because it just dealing with everyone. Then when I played it for Coop, I remember Coop going, why does this sound weird? And I was like, because it's out of tune. It's that's just the way like Johnny's on the left side. Joe's on the right. And then Glenn would come in at like four in the morning. I'd be like, Sobel, come on in. No one's here. Let's cut the drums. Or Johnny would be there and be like, bring in your boy, Glenn. And I said to Glenn, I was like, just show up, dude. I'll call you like three, four, five in the morning. You got to show up with Glenn Wood. And that's what happened. sounds a little bit like the making of the Slash's Snake Pit record, because that's usually when rehearsals would kind of start at one point. But I'm not sure if those listeners out there, if you're listening to the podcast right now, if you're actually listening and watching us on YouTube, um, our director slash producer Vic Chalfant has gone crazy with the photos. He, I mean... When I told him you were going to be on the show, I, I told him, hey, grab a couple photos, grab maybe a video, this, that. Apparently, he went to town. He's, he, I think he's got your whole collection of every nice. photo you've ever been in with Hollywood vampires. <laughs> but I love it, well, man. It's good, for getting it's photos. a good one, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it adds for me visually. I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm loving it. So thank you very much, Vic. And uh, of course, Thank you very much, Tommy, for hanging out with us. And thanks, thanks to you to our live audience that's listening right now, wherever um, house or apartment or, you know, bunker you are holed up in right now. Obviously a weird time of the world, but we're getting through it together and we're getting through it with guitars. I told him, Tommy, I told you to bring your guitar. So I did. I, I mean, I'm going to, man. Can we even do this? I, I, I'm going to say, because Tommy's always like playing up. guitar licks. I want you to play your favorite running. guitar yeah. lick. Yeah. Yeah. 
learning Angus Young. That's what I'm okay. That right sounded like a little bit like Billy Gibbons as well, but I mean, I'll take it into a little to another uh, round. I'll, I'll do a little bit of uh, Beatles. What song is that? I want you so bad. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Maybe that, that doesn't sound good with like low Wi Fi. <laughs> That's anyway, funny that we both chose the uh, we both chose the Les Pauls today. You know, yours is the three pickup Ace Freely special with the smoke yeah. bomb in the middle, and yeah. um, well, that's a Les Paul custom, right? Yeah, I really love this guitar, man. Oh. It's like I will never sell this one. You know, oh. it plays so good, sounds so good. You know, I might sell anyway. this one. I mean, come on, look at the times we're in. I might sell it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're unemployed right now, dude. Hey man, that brings me to the next point. Cause we're going to wrap up the podcast and then maybe take some questions yeah, from, uh, from the chat and from the conversation group. But obviously I want to thank everyone that's been listening to this podcast. I want to thank Tommy Hendrickson for coming on, telling us a bunch of stories. I'm going to have to go down Wikipedia and pretty much research every name that he said, except Mike Pont, because that's a household name. And then <laughs> Everyone, for listening, uh, if you want to support the show, just always go on to ryanroxy.com. Or if you want to support Tommy Hendrickson, what is the best way to get in touch with you and support you? I got nothing. It's an Instagram, <laughs> dude. It really is. I don't got a website. It's terrible. At this I'm trying, to get, I'm trying to get Vic to do something. Hopefully, I'll have something Oh, dude, judging from the amount of photos that Vic collected over the course of this interview, I think he's going to do you just right, man, because he's at Disvicious One. That's Tommy's um, yeah. Instagram. Instagram. But you got tons of followers already, man. But you know what? We're making more. We're making more. Well, the good thing is we have a lot of the same people. You know what I mean? Like we have this little circle, which is really cool because everyone travels to the gigs. You know what I mean? And it's and it's like we become friends with all of these people, which I kind of like. It's not – first it starts out like the fan thing, whatever, but then it just gets a little – you know, it gets deeper than that, you know? Absolutely it does. It is a family. And, uh, you know, I'm going to wrap this podcast up before we go into our little extra bonus credit of uh, questions and stuff. But, again, if you want to support – Follow at Tommy on Instagram or follow at Disvicious One on Instagram yeah. or Tommy Hendrickson. For me, it's at Ryan Roxy. And at the end of the day, man, enjoy the ride. Thanks for listening to In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy podcast. And we'll see you next time. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy.